welcome to Samaria's Harem. I am Samaria Barin Gill, and this is the 10th podcast that I'm recording in my first ever podcast series for Samaria's Harem. My podcasts are focused on the inner growth, the growth journey from everything taboo, such as sexuality, to what is happening in the space of consciousness. Today I have with me Dharamjot Kaur Khalsa, a holistic wellness practitioner. She is a dear friend, someone whose workshops I have attended and I have thoroughly enjoyed and I've learned so much from. Thank you so much, Dharamjot, for being with us this morning. Dharamjot is a family consolation practitioner. She's a Kundalini yogi. Uh, she does trauma therapy. You can tell us a little bit more about that. She does gestalt therapy. Um, and she is also a mother. Am I right? A mother and a wife, amongst many other things. So I would like um, Dharamjo to tell us a little bit more about her journey, what it is that has brought her into this space and to have decided to learn so many things to move towards becoming a holistic wellness counsellor. Over to you, Dharamjo. Thanks, Vareen. And... Um... Yeah, when you were talking about all the things that I've got under my belt or in my toolbox and and you know, finished it up with being a mother and a lot of those processes and those tools are for me to be a better mother and it's been a journey <laughs> um, and it probably started 20 years ago where I knew something was missing and I was trying to find it externally and renovating the house or other people and things, but I realised that it wasn't anything to do with something that was external to me. It was something that was really internal. And so that's when I started on this journey of self-discovery. And through that, I started Gestalt therapy and then I found Kundalini yoga and then it just went on and on from there. And and interestingly, when I was small, I never wanted to be a mother and I was very late in becoming a mother. I was 38 when I had my first child. So, so yeah, that's some of my background. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. You have had a thoroughly vulnerable experience with regards to uh, choosing to be to be in the space of wellness and also to become a, a mother. 38 is not late in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. Um, in this world today, I think there's so many women who, who are so conscious, right? Like I think when I was in my 20s, I thought I should be getting married now and I should be late. I, 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 I should be pregnant. I'm late. There's just uh, so much pressure on us all the time. There's a clock that seems to be running in the background somewhere. And in my 30s, it was exactly the same until I had a divorce. And I was like, you know what? Now I'm just going to surrender. I'm just going to let the universe guide me on what is there for my highest good, what what are the overall choices I should be making aligned to who I am instead of this clock. Um, so, you know, when we when we tell ourselves things like um, we are we are late when, you know, I think now I don't think you you feel that's late. But back then it felt like time was running out. What was that that moment where you decided, um, okay, I think 
I think this is where I'm going to just be. Yeah, so I think it's interesting with the cultural differences because I'm obviously from Australia, you can tell with my accent. And 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 I guess like when I was a teenager and growing up, there was a real rejection to marriage, there was a rejection to having children and like living that stereotypical life. And I never saw myself kind of fitting into that. And I'd also come from a family that had stepbrothers, half-brothers and and stepdad who's an amazing person. Um, so, so my foundation wasn't, um, I don't know, the greatest, but what happened was I feel like through my therapy and doing all these different modalities and stuff, there was one time where someone said that they always wanted to have a child when they were young, like as soon as they could. And it was because they wanted that external love. And for me, when she told me about that, I realized at that time that I didn't have that for myself. I felt that I didn't deserve love. So why would I have a child? And so that was something that I had to heal within myself. And through the process of all these things, I actually got married to someone that was who is a Punjabi, like a completely different culture to me and different values. And through that coming together and, and I don't know, all the healing was like at 38, it was like, oh, yeah, I think I can do, I can do this. It was, um, yeah. I remember speaking with you once about, um, you know, when you met your, your, your husband and I think you guys had this journey, right, where it just sort of all came together. And I say a journey, I mean a real journey. Was it a car journey, a trip or something um, that you got to spend some time together? And at the end of it, you were like, yeah, this guy, he's all right. He's all right. Those were the words that I remember you 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 used to describe yeah. him. And I, I yeah. found it so real. Oh, yeah. Our, our journey to that brought us together is a very magical journey. And, yeah, we went on this road trip from Malaysia to Singapore and he was in the car and and I remember him getting out and going on this Harley Davidson with his friend and he got back in the car and I didn't really like know him or anything. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to be using those cars at my wedding. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, that's okay. I'm just going to turn off the the eyes for him because he's getting married and he's Punjabi and he has to get married kind of thing, like what you were saying. And um, there was the expectations there and... So for the next few months, like we were in the same kind of community and I'm like looking around like, when is he getting married? Who is he getting married to? And then finally I got the courage to ask him, when are you getting married? And he's like, I'm not getting married. And then it was like, okay, the green light, <laughs> the green light is on. And then there's the opportunity for perhaps us having a relationship. And then a few months later, we did this amazing meditation, which was a four and a half hour meditation we went out for ice cream and he said um would let's get married and I'm like what and he <laughs> and he said let's get married on Guru Ramdas's birthday and I said oh 
that's on Friday. This was Sunday. And um, so, oh, you can organize the Punjabi wedding like in five days. And he said, oh, because <laughs> I hadn't really been to any. And he said, yeah, I think so. And and so I said, well, my parents are coming from ba- to Bali and they'll be there. Maybe I'll call them and see if they can pop over to Malaysia and come to our wedding on, on Friday because we wanted to get married on this sacred day. And so they could come. And so on Monday, we went and told his parents that we were getting married. And within six well, within half an hour, we were on our way to KL. We did all our wedding shopping, six months' worth of wedding shopping, I believe, in half a day. And then the next day, the the prayers started, the three days of prayers, the Akanda part. And then the Thursday, my parents arrived. And then the Friday, we got married. And we had more than 200 people there. We had a reception that was like incredible and then the amazing thing was that on the Sunday we went to to India on our honeymoon and I was at the Golden Temple which is the home of Guru Ramdas and it was it was like this whole week of miracles and I just I just like was in such awe because if you had told me the Saturday before we did that meditation that hey, next week you're going to get married and go to India because it was impossible for Australians to even get a visa from Malaysia to go to India, I would have just said, you are crazy. And and it happened. We were there. We were in India. We were celebrating our honeymoon. We got married. And you just couldn't organise that. And so I, I remember telling a friend that, wow, Guru Ramdas really like allowed this marriage to happen and made all these amazing things happen. And she said, Yeah, and also remember that any time in your relationship you can also call on Guru Ramdas to to help you when there are challenges in your relationship. And it was just like, yeah, in the good times and the bad. And to be honest, marriage is one of the most challenging things that I've ever had to, <laughs> this is this is the, what's it called, you know, where the forging ground is the, is it's like the real thing, like having to wake up to this person every day and, and, and be your best and, for, and to inspire him to be his best. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that you have those thoughts that that grounded understanding of what a relationship ultimately is um, and at the same time there was so much magic in how the whole thing came together um and we and we we don't realize that when there is difficulty and when we rise above it when we move through it that is also magic because we never think that that is also us that we are capable of that we're capable of being more than just, you know, people being together for the good times. So thank you. Thank you for that, for that amazing uh, explanation of your journey and the reality of where you're at right now. You've got two daughters, big daughters. Um, yes. And it definitely has been a journey. And now you're living in Australia. Wow. 
Yeah. So you've had a complete shift in the way you live your life where you started out thinking you never get married, uh, you never have children. And here you are not just married, but you've got all these tools to support your journey. Now you spoke of Guru Ramdas, um, and I believe he is a patron of Kundalini Yoga. Is that right? Yeah. And he's also the fourth Sikh guru. And yes, yes. And and yeah, so we we do a lot of chanting to to Guru Ramdas. So okay. yeah, I feel a real connection. It's like in my heart uh-huh. that that there's something bigger than me, something someone looking out for me. It's not just me. There's the infinite. So it's much more expansive. That's amazing. That's amazing. So can you tell me in your life when it came to Kundalini Yoga, did Guru Ramdas come first or was it Kundalini Yoga, your first love and why? Okay. So this is another, (laughs) I've got all these great stories. Um, So, so I remember going to, to a, a kinesiologist and an amazing practitioner, her name's Billy Atherston, and um, she was just so bright and radiant. And I was just like, wow, what is she doing? And she was also a Kundalini Yoga teacher, and she invited me to to come to this sadhana, which is this this early morning practice that starts at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> 5 o'clock, I'll give it a go. And so I, I went there, and we, first of all, read Japji, which is a Sikh prayer. And the whole time my ego is just like, what are you doing here? This has got nothing to do with you. And then we did this kundalini yoga set, which was very odd um, movements, which weren't like my normal yoga that I'd been practicing, like Iyengar and things like that. And then, then we started chanting and we were chanting in a different language and my my ego is having a field day and at the end of it I was just like wow that was really interesting but like totally foreign to me but what happened was when I was walking home at 7 30 in the morning because the practice goes for two and a half hours I um I had this amazing feeling of oneness like I was looking at the trees I could hear the birds singing I was smiling to all the people that were walking past it was like everything was connected it was just that feeling that you can imagine of universal love and connection and from that moment I was just hooked I was just like wow I I just I just felt so connected through the practice and so very quickly I became a kundalini yoga teacher and even that I thought oh no I've only been practicing for three months how could I do the teacher training and there was a block there and then teachers know you can do the teacher training and then I thought I can't do it because I'm working full-time and I'm studying gestalt therapy but then there was no clashes with (laughs) with the training and then the third one was oh it's too expensive and then the next day I went to work and I didn't believe in all this universal kind of synchronicity back then and I got a pay rise of the exact same amount as the teacher training cost and I was like okay okay I get the message and so so then I 
started the teacher training and they said, whatever you do when you finish the training, don't leave your job. And I got my certificate and the next day I left my job and I, and I started on this journey of being a yoga teacher. Wow. <laughs> and, and, wow. and through that, we just, I just chanted so many Sikh mantras that when I found myself in Malaysia as I was invited by Rajvir uh, to teach yoga there for a month and I was in a beautiful Sikh community at Guru Nanak Ashram and I, I just felt at home. It was just like the first time I went into the Gurdwara, I was crying just because I, I felt that that was my, ha- that was my home. And so I converted to be a Sikh, um, yeah, in two thousand and nine. And that yeah, that amazing. was that was mm-hmm. that was another thing because I was at summer solstice in in America, and and I didn't I wasn't going to become a Sikh lightly. Like I really took, I I really take my commitments very very seriously and so I went to these this session and they said okay you have to do this 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 and this and it was just like a list of rules and I and I was just like oh my god how can I possibly do that and then I went to another session and I was just like no this isn't for me it's just like a whole list of rules I'm definitely going to fail at this and then there was this teacher that walked past and he says hey what happened to you you look really confused and I said yeah I'm totally confused and he said let the what did he say he said let the let the clouds of confusion part and you'll have your answer and so I just sat in those clouds of confusion, and just as I said that, there was there's thunder. That's <laughs> amazing. And um, and I went to one more session. I thought oh, I'll give it a go. And the first thing that that person said was, "You've or you already know. You already know if you've given your head to the guru." And when she said that, I was just like. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with the rules. It's got nothing to do with all of that. It's you give your head to the guru. It's it's all from your heart. And if you really trust in that and you believe in that and you allow the guru to to guide you, then then that's what it's about. It's not me doing it. It's it's the blessing of being connected with something that's greater than me. So I'm not very good at following all the rules. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing that you, you know, you've you've shared that <clears throat> because this thing about people converting, right? <clears throat> so spirituality is vast. Spirituality is everything. It's everything in our life. It's not just some new age practice or waking up before a.m. to to actually have a practice. It's it's everything. It's everything in your life. It's your relationship. It's your job. It's everything. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you speak about conversion, which I think a lot of people have a lot of taboos around, a lot of, you know, judgment around, like, you know, you're born with one aspect of life, one aspect of religi- religiosity, and 
here we are doing something else. And I know I grew up with a lot of people around me, you know, not seeing conversion in any good light. I mean, as you know, in Malaysia, um, it, mm. is, it has its own taboos, its own judgments. Um, and I, listening to you, I, I, can, I can hear those judgments. I can hear those messages sitting inside me. And, and I, I, just, I just want to use this moment to acknowledge that, you know, your, your conversation and your experience of it and the light that you shared is reminding me that everything is spirituality and that whatever you've experienced and where you're going with this is your journey that I am here to just see observe and feel within myself where I have blocked off my experience to see fully your experience. And and I just want to acknowledge you for that. That was amazing the way you shared it, the way you were so still in that moment of light, of excitement, of miracle when you were sat in that space um, and, and where it's taken you since. So it's it's not about the best practice or, or or anything like that. It's about just where you're at and what's right for you at that moment. Thank you so much for that, DJ. DJ is what I call yeah, her. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and it's and it's an unfolding <laughs> process. And so that was a peak moment when I I had the blessing of taking Amrit, which is what it's called. And and then then there's the actual part of living in the community and I have my own um, wounds about belonging, which also led me probably to, to find belonging in that place. But really the belonging has to come from within. It's, it's not something that someone else can give you. And if you don't feel like you belong and I make all these changes and stuff to try and belong, it's not my authenticity. And so now I feel like I can authentically belong in the community but not necessarily be exactly um, how I fit, like the expectations. It's always the expectations that, <laughs> that um, make it complicated. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I, I I so agree. I like how you ended the last the last bit on your on what happened um with your conversion experience with you know I don't live by by, by the rules. I, I am at my heart where I'm at. Um and 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 this as well, it's all about freedom, the inner freedom to 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 choose the overall journey that that you're ex experiencing and where we will and how we will alchemize, how we will transform with our own experience with everything. Your your views on something and my views on something are are meant to be different because we're on a journey. We're on this individual journey. So thank you so much for that. Um, <clears throat> and then from Kundalini Yoga from converting to Sikhism and meeting your husband, you have learned so much since, you know, family constellation. Was that the next thing you learned or well, was that something else? Well, so, so I, um, I, was, I got married when I was 38 and then I got pregnant a few months later. And, and like I really wanted the best for, for my daughter. I just had so much love and so much hope for her. And so I did conscious pregnancy because that's the phase of my life that I was in at that time. 
And so I did a, a, a it was conscious pregnancy is like a, a yoga pregnancy course using um, the technology of Kundalini yoga. And in that, we learn things about the soul coming in at 120 days and um, and how how we can welcome the baby into the world. And so now I did that then because that was figural at the time for me, but I don't teach conscious pregnancy anymore. But it seems like whenever there's something that I need kind of to be good at, <laughs> uh, I'll go and do the course. And so family constellation came later because I had my, I think I'd had my second child and I realized that I was having a lot of projections on my husband. And the projections were about what I thought the ideal father was meant to be. And that was based on uh, my father um, who wasn't the ideal father. And, and that was hampering the way my husband was being in our family. And so that's what kind of led me to family constellation is to heal that aspect. And, and that created a lot more calm and allowed him to be himself and me to be myself and things like that. And I love holding the space for family constellation. It's, it's my happy place. And, um, and so then later on, having the kids, I started to lose my temper. So I would go from zero to 100 and get angry and then I'd feel guilty and shame about that because that's not who I am. Why am I doing this? And so then I went on this journey of trying many things to stop myself from shouting. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And, and um, not like in a bad way or anything, but, you know, it wasn't peaceful and, and it wasn't someone I wanted to be. And, like, they're beautiful girls and it's not it's not um who I wanted to be so I did a a one-year course on emotions called um senses of the soul I did these very long meditations I did all these other practices tapping anything that I could try <laughs> to, to to just lower that and then what I learned was that when you when you were uh, getting angry like that, there's no amount of anger management that you can do to, to, to manage it. You just can't. What I was having was a trauma response and I didn't, I didn't recognize it. And so only just the last few years I've been doing the Richards trauma process and I did this particular process and and all those triggers that I had before just it was like a quantum shift. After three sessions, it was like magic. They all disappeared. And so the house returned to calm and my husband would say things like that would normally trigger me. And I just look at him and go, oh, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> it's not doing anything anymore. And it would just stop. And so if I'm not being triggered, I'm not losing my temper, am I? And so, so the magic of that particular process that I offer now is just like, wow, it has brought so much calm to my, to my, um, 
to my life and to my family's life. And so, so now that I offer that, and now what I'm doing now as I move, evolve from that is about mental fitness. So it's about, yeah, just being the best that you can be and creating good habits and, and just like we, we work out at the gym is to, to just apply mental fitness. Mental um, fitness. Yeah. That is a very exact term, actually. I've never, I've never come across that, that, that um, way of explaining um, how, you know, not being loud, not, not screaming and shouting is actually, I wouldn't say it's an ideal state. I, I don't like to use the word ideal so much because um, there's, there's no such thing as ideal, right? It's all, it's all just where you're, you're, you're at. But I, I, I hear you when you say, you know, shouting and um, all of this, it really does have an effect. And we grow up, most of us grow up in an environment where people are not having a conversation in the house. They're shouting at each other all the time. Um, and <clears throat> when... Or you know, the opposite, where they're not even talking to each exactly. other, which I think is just as harmful. Exactly. And you really have to take this huge decision to go, that is not going to be my normal. I it's am not. going to find a different method. And that's what... that's what you've done. Yeah. I I had to. I just it I want I that wasn't the person I wanted to be. And so my my children are my greatest teachers really. Like they really are. And all the fears and things that I've had to overcome and the presence that I've had to to create within myself and that whole feeling of serving the family and stuff is, is challenging, but it's also incredibly rewarding. Yes, I think we don't realise how we are surrounded by the people that are here to give us the spiritual miracle that we're looking for. They're already with us from, you know, our parents, um, the the partners that we choose. And and you've now said your your children are your are your teachers. Um, this is this is such a truth. Like we're always on a journey of learning and of becoming more. Can you tell us a little bit more about the other therapies that you've learned? Um so, yeah, I just shared about the Richard's trauma process, mm -hmm. which is Richard's that three-session process. Okay. It's TRTP oh, and okay. TRTP, yeah. And then also before that, I was a wild fit coach. And so mm -hmm. I, I had put on a lot of weight. I was like the same, same weight as I I was when I was pregnant, but my daughter was seven years old, and and I'd I'd wake up in the in the morning and I'd just be like, oh my god, when can I go back to sleep? And I was just like, here I am trying to be this conscious, awake person, and all I'm thinking about is having a nap. And so I knew I had to change, <laughs> and so I did this program called Wild Fit, which is a ninety day health challenge which I feel is like 90 days of self-love and nourishment and I lost 
more than 10 kilos doing that and I was just like yeah this is really good and I want to maintain it so I became a coach in that and and by doing that and releasing that weight I I can chase after my kids at the park and I can play basketball and I can do so many fun things with them just because I feeling fit and um and and that has been really fun for us that that I did that and also because I I was so inflamed that was also part of me being um irritable which also caused some of the irritation and having a short fuse but um yeah it was that was a really pivotal point and it was at a really good time too because it was just before the pandemic and it was something I could do while I was homeschooling and also do it online and I have clients all around the world and yeah it it was really fun and then the tapping is good too I don't know like there's so many things it's just all it's all just part of my involvement in involvement and what I share is something that I hope that I've embodied and that I have an integrity around I, I I'm very like if I'm not practicing it I'm not I'm not sharing it that's that's for sure that's and I and I and I really like to share from my own experience yes embodying it is the biggest challenge I feel I mean I know a lot of people who have you know learned many different things but it's seeing and practicing and using it in your life that makes that change. I, I think um, it it isn't easy. You know, we go and we learn these things, and then we come back to real life, and we're like, oh, here we are back in the in the pressure cooker, and we have all of these things that we've learned, um, not realizing that. Hang on a second, that. I didn't think about my own life. If you can't talk about it through your own context, through your own lens, you probably didn't learn anything. Um, and it, it 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 really shows. I feel when when you know people who learn these things, you you don't master it until you start to teach it. Is that a saying? I think you might have told me that saying. Yeah, it probably was me. <laughs> yeah, if you want to learn about it, like just read read something. But if you want to master it, teach it, absolutely. And often what I found is what we teach is what we most need to learn. And so when I am teaching like kundalini yoga, you know, you feel that transmission and stuff. But I'm also very closely listening to what I'm saying because I know that what I'm saying is much for myself and to do that as well as for those students. So, so yeah, I, I don't take light, like I, I listen to what, what's going on in those classes because it's part of my mastery. And, and I know like I um, can benefit from breathing deeper. And so then I teach about breath, like, you know, there's, there's things that we can do that, that, definitely help us and so I really love teaching regularly and and having that opportunity not only to share but also to contemplate and to present information in a way that's um, easily understood Mm -hmm. but most importantly that the people that are in the class can have an experience from their own teacher within 
Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I, I'm, I'm just thinking here how amazing it is that you brought in fitness into the whole spiritual journey as well. And it is the body, the health of our body is how we feel. And if we don't look after it, if we're not actually giving it everything as well as our mind, everything, um, we will see the results. They're both interconnected um, and we are going to have all the difficulties that come with having a lackluster body. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that part about WildFit as well. I had totally forgotten, actually. And I know that it, um, I, I remember seeing you the first time. I remember seeing you a while after that and you were so slim. You know, you looked like a different person and that is powerful. It's called shape-shifting, yeah. I believe. We, are, we have the ability to shape-shift um, and, and you did it, which is great. I did it. I really did do it, and I've I, and and I've been blessed to shapeshift many people as well. So, or oh, be yeah. in the presence of them. So, so it does. Uh, it's a process that really, really works, and it's such mm -hmm. a blessing to, to see people step into that. And so, yeah, it is the physical fitness, but like what we said before, the mental fitness. And so now. The other thing that I'm offering is around mental fitness and understanding what sabotages you. Mm -hmm. and, and really, we just have 10 saboteurs mm -hmm. and we also have sage powers and there's really five sage powers. And, and then there's this judge that we all have. And so when we can bring ourselves into the present moment through feeling our feet, feeling our breath and coming out of the mind, we give the opportunity for the, sa the saboteurs, which is those neural pathways that are very, very strong and, and working to the max, we give them a rest and we allow that sage part of us to come in. And the process that's being used for that is called positive intelligence. And what it's used is research and factor analysis in that it's brought everything down. Like, you know how we have three colours that make all the colours? Yes, yes, the primary colours. Yeah. yeah, so it's the same. We have these 10 saboteurs and they are responsible for all these, like, these reactions that we have. And then we have these five sage powers, which are like our Jedi Knight powers. And, and the thing I really love about this mental fitness program is that it's spirituality for people that don't even believe in God. Like you don't have to. It's, it's just the principles and it's based in the science, but it's accessing empathy. It's accessing that activation part within yourself. And it's, it's allowing you to come out of the mind and still it so you can have a more embodied experience. It's really fun. This is TRTP, right? The no, this is another one that I'm doing. Oh. It's called Positive Intelligence. So I'm oh just starting goodness. that now. Babe. <laughs> wow. Good for you. Good so, for you. So, so because what I found is that we need to heal our patterns and we do that through TRTP, yes. we do it through family constellations, we do it through the therapy. But we also need 
because we open that space, we also need to develop habits that are nourishing because if we just continue doing the old thing that we did, even though we have these experiences of healing, if we don't back it up with consistent habits, we're just going to fall back into that way we were before. So there needs to be like five or six weeks after you have that healing to create a habit so you're embodying the experience. And then the final thing is the connection and connecting the mind, the body and the spirit so we can also connect with the people around us. Fabulous, fabulous stuff. This, yeah. this journey that you've been on, right, you know, you have equipped yourself with so many different techniques, modalities, um, and actually what I feel it's done for you is it's activated your own inner wisdom as well. Um, it, it, it's, it's in there. It's just having these tools that allow you to, to, to send it out. If you were ever to create your own modality, the Dharamjot's modality, DJ, you know, if you were ever to, to, to create a training program around that, what are maybe three things that you would put in there? Uh, well, yeah, it would be those three pillars, the, mm -hmm. the patterns and the habits and the connection, but it would be with humour. It would be, okay. it would be with a groundedness in just everyday life. That's it, going to be like a pretty basic, accessible kind of thing to understand. And it's and it's not about necessarily healing. It's about just being you, being authentic, and just yes. having the confidence to to be in your own presence with love, light, and respect. Amazing, amazing. And today, you're in Melbourne, right? You're yes. in Melbourne at the moment. And today is the solstice where you're at. You're in the Southern Hemisphere, so you're having the longest day in the Southern Hemisphere today. And I'm having the shortest day in the Northern Hemisphere today. Um in this, in this overlap, I find this conversation really, really interesting. Like it's, it, I feel like it's some kind of portal um, that we're in between at the moment. And, you know, by, by having this conversation, I just feel like anyone who listens to this is going to be realizing that, hang on a second, you know, I don't have to choose one type of training I don't have to like just embody one I don't have to like surrender myself to one I go in there I learn and I move on it's just like you know I, I always thought that I would stop studying when I finished uni and yes um, and I didn't realize how little I knew about life and every time I want to learn something new, I always think about, you know, do I not already know it? Like, do I not already like, isn't, isn't it obvious? Isn't it like common sense? You know, this thing about being Asian and like all of this stuff being common sense. It's, it's not, right? There's, there's just so much in you that we, we don't know how to tap into. Um, and that's what all of this work does. It wakes up that inner sage um, would you mind sharing what one of those five sages are that, that you mentioned? 
Uh, well, I think the the most important is empathy and wow. and the way oh, wow. that the way that we can really connect in with that empathy is we can find a picture of ourselves when we were maybe five, four, or three years old, mm-hmm. and we look at the essence of that child. So you look at that that photo and you say, "I am," and it might be playful, joy, serious who knows, wise, whatever you can see there. And that is the essence, even though you've got 40, 50 years, 30 years of life experiences and challenges on top of you, and it might be hard to feel that essence, but that essence is still within you. And when you can start to apply that to the people around you, particularly the ones that you're having a lot of trouble with, and remember that they also have that essence empathy can come in and it just is a lot lighter and it's a lot it's allowing people to be who they were born to be recognizing Mm. their gifts I think the moment you said empathy I just had some kind of clearing happen in my in my 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 presence in my soul in my energy setup I just because I asked you about what one of those five sage wisdoms were and when you said empathy, that's not what I expected at all. You know how we talk about powers when we talk about sage wisdom, yeah, no. we talk about this, you know, having superpowers. But empathy is something we don't create an energy, an aura, and this this miraculous setup around when actually it is so powerful. So when you said that, I really had a reset of some sort. And I was like, wow, that is in that really is the truth. It feels so true. Thank you for that. Oh, I get you. I'd love to have these conversations. I, I, I don't hesitate waking up at, you know, 6 a.m. To, to talk to you right now where you're at. It's, it's what, 7? 7, 7 p.m. now for you? 6 p.m.? Yeah, around the 6.30, yeah. Okay. And if I'm not mistaken, DJ, you wake up at 4 a.m.? Is that time you woke up at 4 a.m.? So that was a long, a long, long time. And, and I think you were talking about the habits and how I, the modalities. I, I, I would like to say that Kundalini Yoga is definitely something that is grounding for me and I do every day. Like that is my daily practice. And, yeah, I used to wake up at that time, 4 o'clock. But <laughs> since COVID, um, my, I realized that I actually enjoy sleeping in a bit. So sometimes I wake up at six o'clock or six thirty and yeah but I can't really sleep in past seven but I'm enjoying those extra hours of sleep that's amazing that's amazing that you know you're you're, you you kind of go with what your your body overall needs um there's a lot of rigidity right when it comes to practices and I think um, anyone who is learning a practice, they have to realize that you, whatever habit you create needs to be something that you can sustain. Um, so sleep is so important. Yeah, like I think if you want to do that four a.m. sleep thing, you gotta be you gotta be um, asleep by like what eight p.m. at night, eight thirty p.m. Is that what you had to do when you? Actually, I still go to sleep at eight o'clock. Oh, <laughs> I got to sleep when the kids go to sleep, but they go to sleep at nine now. But yeah, I'm about to have a teenager, so it might be a bit later. But 
But I think what I always tell people that have done teacher training or people that do want to start a practice, a spiritual practice, is do what you enjoy and do it for Mm. 10 minutes and Mm -hmm. then then you're going to love it so much. Then you're going to want to do it for half an hour. Then you're going to want to do it for an hour and a half. And that's what happened to me. It's just like getting up at 4 o'clock is a treat because that was my time. That was the time where I was doing something I really felt connected and love and, and joy. And if we can approach our spiritual practice like that, then, then we want to do it. But if we make it dogmatic and rigid, it's, it's just, it's not going to last. It's just using willpower, really, and, and yeah. shoots. Yeah, and then it becomes yeah. pain. It becomes something our body associates with pain, um, and the journey begins again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. Okay. What what are you working on at the moment? Is there anything that you're offering? What what what's happening for you at the moment? Uh, so at the moment, I offer the TRTP sessions, which is mm-hmm. healing your trauma, anxious, anxiety, depression, and stress in in three sessions, and it's it's a powerful quantum shift. And I love offering that because we work with unconscious core beliefs because I worked consciously with all this stuff and then I realised, oh, the unconscious is a bit more powerful than the conscious. And I'm also offering the mental fitness training, which is about a six-week program. Okay, great, great. And anyone who is looking to find out more about DJ, you can check out her website or her Instagram page. Would you like to tell us what, what they are, Dharamjot? Yep. So my website is www, of course, Dharamjot, D-H-A-R-A-M-J-O-T.com. Mm-hmm. And then my Instagram is, it's kind of a bit fun. I, I kind of have a lot of fun with filters. It's not a very serious place, but my, what's it called? The name is Dharamjot Core. K-A-U-R. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, come and join in the fun there. Amazing, amazing. There's the, I mean, it's great when people can find you easily. I think that's one of the most difficult things uh, to actually do is finding someone online again when you've, you know, when you, when you clicked with someone. So putting a website out there, even for myself, was such a challenge. So I'm so glad to hear you've got a website that's set up and you maintain it regularly. Is that right? Oh, yeah, I'm, well, <laughs> I'm trying to at the moment. I'm trying to simplify it. I'm trying to simplify a lot of things. But also I'd like to say that I'm really blessed to work with people all around the world. Like at the moment I have clients in Scotland, Italy, Belgium, America, Australia, Malaysia, New Zealand, Thailand. Like really we can, if it's meant to be, we'll work together. It's I just... I just love that we can have such heartfelt connections yeah, right across no matter the world. Yeah, it's just it's it's a different so time true. and so true. Uh, I'm 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 currently in in Scotland um, as as you know and <clears throat> I have really I've really seen 
how it doesn't matter where you are anymore. I mean, thanks to the pandemic as well. I think everyone has started to see the world differently. Um, but I have these clients everywhere and I, I really feel like it's it's about it's about where you're at. So I think you've attracted that into your life as well, DJ. It takes us shifting to be able to have that flexibility. <clears throat> wow, I, I'm clearing my own throat when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we teach what we most need to learn, right? So, yeah, we must yeah. have flexibility. <laughs> yeah. Must... Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's good fun. <laughs> Amazing. All right, so is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we close off today? Oh, I'd just like to thank you for the time together today and I just I'm just having such fond memories of us meeting in a park playing the gong yes. together yes. and having those magical moments with and the monkeys and that yes. yeah and it, yeah it was such a, a, a is such a special time of memory yes. for me of Malaysia and and I really appreciate that you were there Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I attended those. They were not easy because they were early. And I believe you carried your gong. You brought your gong to the park so early in the morning. We did some uh, very short, I think, family constellation sessions. Um, it was it was amazing, right? The park, the way nature supports you. It was also meant to be. I'm so glad for that experience. It was when I moved uh, to KL, I think, when I moved back. Yeah, it was just um, as you came back. Yes, yes. So, wow, that's that was a very very powerful time for me as well. And yeah, I was I was amazed to see how much KL had changed. So, I'm glad that I met you in KL. I mean, just just it's it's amazing how um, you never know where you're at you, you don't know where you're at until I think you yourself shift because when I lived in Kale before I was such a different person and when I came back I knew that I had become something else I was on a different journey and I, I was so happy that I had and I was you know I was in a universe where I could meet people like you who are on that journey of becoming who you truly are so thank you so much dj for having given me your time and space that time and for now i'm so so grateful <laughs> thank you thank you thank so you. much love. all right Anything enjoy else? your day thank you and so much i think that <laughs> all right lots of love bye for now bye for now all the best Start for 2023 now. bye yep, for now. you too bye Thank you.